Weekend mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3. International News Review. The airstrike in Iraq, that is the one that's, I think, creating the biggest ripples right now. Uh, Suleiman was killed, of course, the head of the Iranian military and the Quds force there. And that has just uh, been sending shockwaves not only around the Middle East, but throughout the West as well. Well, you know, we're barely into 2020, and I'm already looking back with fondness at the good old days of 2019. (laughs) I mean, this is a, you know, we're in a period of tension in the Middle East that we haven't faced in, I mean, decades, probably since the uh, hostage crisis in in, uh, under President Carter in the late 70s. And just we don't know where this is going to go. It is certainly going to escalate. There is going to be some retaliation from the Iranians, but is it going to be a cyber attack or are they going to actually go after, you know, U.S. personnel as as the Americans did? So it's really going to be a very tense period for this isn't going to be resolved. I mean, not in days and not in weeks. This is going to be months, if not years before this all plays out. Steve, there's been uh, a lot on both sides of, of course, the, if we can try to separate the political drama from this, because there is, of course, no shortage of that. And I'm not saying it's not uh, valuable in terms of the president notifying Congress and all of that. But the, the person that was actually killed, there, there have been references and he's not just another terrorist, uh, you know, terrorist in quotes. Um, but, you know, the kind of the equivalent some uh, some people have said as, you know, of the vice president, you know, he's like the number two most powerful guy in Iran. Give us a sense from your perspective of just how important this person was, how high level he was. Well, and and I think to put it into historical perspective, the U.S. has not, you know, deliberately killed. You could use the word murder. You could use the word assassinate. Has not deliberately assassinated a government official from a sovereign government since World War II. When when the the U.S. targeted Japanese generals, and, and so this is very different than killing Osama bin Laden. It's very different than killing a terrorist. He was certainly in, he was certainly responsible for the the deaths of hundreds of Americans and thousands of people. But he was a general of a of an army, and that's what makes this different. And so he was very important just because of that. And then when he's the leader of the most special forces of Iran. A country that the U.S. has been at great odds with since President Trump came in when, you know, the U.S. pulled out of the Iranian nuclear deal. It is different than anything we have faced going back to World War II in a way. The, this idea of preemption, preemptive strikes uh, was really a kind of re- reinvigorated during the Bush administration, uh, during the Iraq war, Bush two, uh, and, uh, the, the neocon movement said, you know, this was part of the new, the new U S strategy. We will go and hunt down and kill people that we think are going to potentially do us harm or that we know will do us harm. And, and oh, the Obama administration carried that on through uh, drone strikes. And, and, and this is, so this is nothing necessarily, let me say new, uh, but it is a, it is a big departure at this level. Level um, for uh, you know for like you say this particular person. Now on the other side of the coin, people are saying good for Trump. He got rid of a guy that was super bad. He's done tons of terrible things. He probably should have died years ago anyway. Uh, this is the argument that I have read and heard. Um, is, is there anything to that argument by taking out this guy that we know has been responsible for hundreds and thousands of deaths? Uh, you know, getting him out of the food chain. 
Well, the question is, what is your strategy? Mm. Where does this fit into your broader strategy dealing with Iraq, dealing with Iran, dealing with the Middle East? And that is where there is a great deal of doubt and concern that this was well thought through, that this is part of a strategy for how you are going to achieve what you want in the Middle East, which is ultimately to have peace and to have mm. sovereign governments respecting one another. There's no indication that this is part of any broader strategy. And this is the issue that a lot of people have with the Trump administration and with President Trump in particular. What is his strategy? What is his strategy with North Korea? What is his strategy with China? What is his strategy on Iran? What is his strategy in the Middle East? It's just, I'm going to react and then see what happens. And that is, this is the most dangerous potential for that type of outcome where you just are acting and not having a strategy. It's interesting. Uh, Tucker Carlson on Fox News was one of the only Fox News commentators to come out against this strike. His reasoning was a little bit different. It was like his reasoning was more around why are we getting involved in another foreign incursion, another foreign issue, if I can put it that way. You know, U.S. should be focusing on the problems at home. You know, this has been the, the rallying cry for a lot of the uh, more recent Republicans uh, around. Um, so kind of interesting to hear that he's he's actually criticizing this move as well, uh, you know, a longtime supporter of the president. Well, and that, I mean, Tucker Carlson gets to the point. What happens after Right. What happens after the strike? What do the Iranians do? What do the Iraqis do if the Iraqis kick us out of their country? Because we went, we, the United States, took a military action in their territory without notifying them, without their permission. So what happens if we kick them, if they kick us out, our military goes out? Who is going to fight ISIS? We fight ISIS based out of the bases in Iraq. Right. We fight ISIS in Syria with the support of the bases that we work out of in Iraq. If those are gone, what happens to ISIS? Does terrorism now come to the United States much more likely because we're not there? I think that's what Tucker Carlson is, is getting at. What do you gain from doing this? If we knew, yeah, we can remove this one person who has been a murderer of hundreds and thousands of people, are we going to be better off? You don't know the answer to that question. That's what's so frightening about this decision-making process. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it was, it was done – it seems that uh, Russia knew about it and a few other select people knew about it, but, you know, the American Congress didn't know about it or the key leadership didn't. Or the, the Israelis presumably didn't know about it. The Iraqis didn't know about it. The Brits didn't know about it. It didn't seem that any – that this was part of any thoughtful strategy, that this was just an option, the most extreme option given to the president in terms of retaliation against the Iranian backstrikes, against the, the Iraqi bases which killed an American contractor – um, and that he then took this option without any real thought. And I'm just wondering if the original Trump team had been in place, if General Mattis had still been Secretary of Defense, if General McMaster had still been the head of the National Security Council, had Rex Tillerson still been Secretary of State, would they have talked him out of this? Would they have said, now is not the time, let's think through it? Of course, we'll never know the answer to that question. Yeah. But it highlights how there is a total lack of coordination within the national security community in the United States and carrying this out. The Pentagon came out and, and, and praised it. 
it, though. They praised the decision in, in one of the statements I saw. Well, again, you, you, it was an option the Pentagon put forward, so they have to take some responsibility mm-hmm. for it. But you start to read the reporting that's coming out now is that the Pentagon put this option on the table as the most extreme option, you know, in, in terms of retaliation for what's occurred, yeah. so that he would choose a different option. And the president did choose a different option going after those, you know, those mm-hmm. bases that were much more remote, that didn't have collateral damage. That retaliation then led to the, you know, led to the protests at the at the embassy mm-hmm. in Baghdad, which then led to this. And there's a reason both Presidents Obama and Bush did not choose to take this option because it could lead to much worse consequences for the United States. Yeah, of course, uh, New York City and many other places are on high alert. Americans have been told to get out of Iraq, uh, et cetera, et cetera, by the U.S. government. So uh, clearly there is a fear that that something big is on the horizon, although they haven't told us exactly what intel they have uh, around that. Uh, Let's move forward to uh, North Korea because uh, the Christmas present never arrived that uh, Kim Jong-un had promised uh, that would arrive to the uh, Americans uh, based on the fact that the North Korea believes uh, is happy to pull out of any kind of a deal to stop ICBM testing and nuclear uh, weapons production. Uh, this is a this is a problem. Two years ago, almost two years ago, here in Singapore, there was a deal in quotes. Right, everything was going to be fine. Um, uh, President Trump and Kim met and and shook hands at the Capella on Santosa. And everything seemed uh, right with the world and nothing has really changed except North Korea has fired off more missiles in its testing program since then. Well, North Korea has fired off more missiles. North Korea has continued to stockpile uh, nuclear materials. The U.S. has stopped doing exercises in South Korea, so it is not ready um, Mm. to the extent that it had been in the past. So we're worse off today than we were before the Trump-Kim summit. In Singapore. And again, and this is in line with what happened. You take an action. Let's, you know, the president says we're going to have a summit with Kim. We're going to do personal diplomacy. But without the hard work, without coming to some type of agreement on definitions, you end up worse off than you Mm -hmm. were beforehand. So this is certainly, you know, what's going on in Iran certainly going to be good news for Kim because it gives him less attention from the Americans. The Americans have to be now much more focused on Iran. And we don't know what Kim's going to do. There was no deal. I think, you know, use the word deal and Mm -hmm. we could, you know, on radio, we could put that in air quotes. There was no commitment by Kim. What was signed here in Singapore was an uh, empty document. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem we're going to face. Now Kim is strong than he was two, two years ago. The sanctions are on. The Chinese and the Russians aren't as on board with, with us, the Americans, as they were before. So it's a more dangerous time going into 2020 for North Korea than it was, you know, before Trump-Kim summit. Okay, that brings us to the China trade deal. There is going to be a signing, I believe it's on the 15th of January in Washington. That is the plan. Yeah. With unclear who is going to sign, it would presumably be, uh, you know, USTR Ambassador Lighthizer on behalf of the Americans. Maybe it'll be Liu Ha, who is the, you know, the envoy for President Xi, but it could even be downgraded. Yeah. Unclear. What was surprised me out of the, the U.S.-China deal is that the Chinese got 
a very little from the Americans in terms of, of coming to their commitments for the ag purchases and to agree to opening up some of their market as to their previous commitments. The U.S. only rolled back um, a, a minor amount of the tariffs that are on. There's still $370 billion in tariffs. Hmm. So to me, this kind of indicates that the Chinese economy is doing much worse than the Chinese say it is doing publicly, and they needed the new tariffs not to come on. Uh. So this is, you know, we're still in a trade war. This is not a truce. This is a pause of of new tariffs coming on, a minor rollback of the existing ones, but there's still a lot of tariffs on. There's still the technology battles going on, the U.S. taking actions against Huawei, the Chinese now saying, our government is not going to make any purchases, hardware or software of, of foreign equipment. So if you're IBM, if you're mm. HP, you've got to be concerned. If you're Microsoft, you have to be concerned, if not in the short run, in the long run. So yeah, we're going to sign something, presumably, the two countries on the 15th, but I don't know how much it's going to help. <laughs> Steve Oaken, uh, for our International News Review, Senior Advisor, McClarty Associates, uh, thanks for being with us Thank on you. Weekend Mornings. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.